0: Hello and welcome to Growing Pains, the podcast that tackles the awkward transition from teenager to adulthood. I'm your host Danielle Riley and today's topic is the miseducation where we'll discuss the awkward transition from high school to college and with me today I have a current teacher,
1: Ms. Barbara Andrews. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me. So just tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I have been in education for uh, just over 20 years now. Um, I've uh, I've taught some adults. I've taught uh, from the bottom to the top, as I like to say. I've started off with pre-K. Um, I've done some high school coaching. And I currently have been in the middle school arena for the last seven years.
0: It's a very diverse background so one of my most i'll say one of my most trying tribulations that i've had since i've gotten into college is the adjustment in my curriculum in high school and in middle school they pushed reading and they pushed writing but there were certain styles that weren't taught to us while we were in grade school such as apa style for me i learned more mla that's really what was pushed for me And I feel like the system before I got to college didn't really prepare me for college. And that's a problem that we see a lot now. And I'm just wondering, what's it like from a teacher's perspective when you hear that your students that you taught don't really feel
1: prepared? Well, from a teacher's perspective, um, it's about as frustrating to the teachers as as it is to the students because Um, we're not the ones that make policy. We're not the ones that decide the rules, but we do see, because we're right there in the trenches with the students, we do see those little glitches that we know are going to give those kids some difficulty. So it's frustrating for me, especially with kids that I've seen that I know have gone on to college and because of something they didn't get in high school, they're getting their freshman year having to take remedial classes and they come back and they say, well, you know, we didn't have this, nobody told us this. And, you know, the, the bottom truth of it is they're absolutely right. So what would you
0: say to a student in my position who's basically learning from square one again?
1: What I would say to a, a student in your position is, is if you are in a position to want to or to have to do community service, to go back out into some of the schools and talk to the kids that are coming up about what you're experiencing because what it might do is when they have those electives and things in their senior year you might be able to guide them into something that will actually help them and you know about from experience instead of them just blindly taking something meaningless just to get that easy a right and you teach
0: 8th grade now, right? I teach 8th grade right now. And that's English? English, yep. So has the standard changed in, like, what's your curriculum
1: like in your classroom? Um, The standards change back and forth. Uh, let me say this. What they're called changes. Because a lot of people pitch a Hissy Fit over Common Core. But what they didn't realize because the, uh, the common average person doesn't read the, the wording of things like that, is that there wasn't a great deal of difference between, let's say, the Common Core state standards and the South Carolina standards as they exist now, which are called the college and career Ready. It's very little di- changing in the wording. Um, so, you know, to me, even changing the name was basically more political than anything else. I would say Common Core... I was a
0: student that transferred um, from my middle school into high school, I switched states. And for me, Common Core was kind of helpful because it made sure everybody was in the same general area as opposed to if I came from Georgia to South Carolina and everybody was in two completely different fields. But I guess that's more so in like math and reading than history because I went from learning Georgia history to learning South Carolina history.
1: But I guess that's something Common Core couldn't really help us with, right? Well, actually, it could. And actually, I was a proponent of Common Core before it was ever launched. And I say that for the simple fact that um, I'm a Yankee. I'm a Midwestern child. I was born and raised um, in, in Michigan. And I used to see when students would transfer, whether they were military brats or people, family just moved and stuff, people would transfer to schools in the north from schools in the south. And we would be in two totally different places in what was being taught, not even just the the regular specific content, but the general stuff. And so those students, when they transferred to the North were automatically held back a year. Now, was it because they were inept? No, was it because they couldn't do the work? No, it was because of something they could not control. That being the state they came from just happened to be in a different space in the teaching in the state they were going to. And and I've never thought that that was fair to the students. And with
0: other things not being fair to the students, um, let's say a student graduates high school and gets into college. Because, again, our podcast is about the transition from teenager to college and to adulthood. So feeding in from, like, elementary school to middle school, middle school to high school, there seems to be a gap between high school and middle school. I mean, high school and college, excuse me. Um, My sister is in high school, and she's learning completely different things than what I learned. And in a sense, it's almost as if the system isn't really teaching kids anymore. Nothing that they need in college. Although, is not the education system supposed to be preparing kids for life, or college, or military, whichever route they decide to go?
1: It is supposed to be, and there is a big disconnect that I wish that that those powers that be would pay attention because you know as a as a teacher having students that i watch matriculate through middle school through high school and then into college um the same way that elementary school prepares you for middle school middle school prepares you for high school and they have those classes that bridge you over to those there needs to be something in place like that to bridge between the 8th grade and the ninth grade year um, because the experience is going to be completely different. What you need to know is going to be completely different. And with that being the case, the same is said between the 12th grade year and the freshman year of college. There's a gap because the, the K through 12 schools don't seem to be reaching out enough to make that bond to bridge the students over. I mean, they're big and pushing about scholarships and scholarships, but you need to give the students what they need to be to survive, to be able to even maintain grades to get a scholarship or keep it.
0: Exactly. So to say that, okay, we're learning all of this writing techniques and stuff now that don't really, they don't really help us in getting these scholarships and the scholarships are competitive and most of the scholarships freshmen or incoming freshmen are facing are never just for freshmen. At this point, they're also battling upperclassmen, sophomores, juniors, seniors, students that have already realized that the game has switched completely and they know what these scholarships are looking for. So would you say that like now for students that aren't in college, the education system could possibly be failing them or setting them up for failure?
1: Um, I, I would say that that's the case. Um, it's not intentional. I think what's happening is that things are not, they're not changing with the times. Back in the days when I first went off to college, you did have to write these long, intricate, elaborate um, essays for the admissions to college. You had to write these long essays to apply for scholarships. And these scholarships and colleges are streamlining the process more. I mean, heck, some schools, you don't even have to have an ACT or SAT to get into anymore. lot of master's and grad school programs you don't have to have a GRE for anymore so I mean there are some skills that they are over emphasizing writing is important will always be important but I would say that they need to scale back some because the universities aren't requiring it like they used to I think what they need to be doing if you're truly going to make somebody college and career ready which is what we claim in the state of South Carolina you need to be giving them some life skill courses. Um, you need to teach them how to change a tire. You need to teach them how to balance a checkbook. You need, to, you need to teach them those functional life skills that they'll need to have in not only in college, but they'll need to have them in the real world as well. I learned to balance a checkbook in, um, in high school. I learned to do taxes when I was uh, when I was in college. I love that you said that because
0: when I was in high school, there was a group of us that always said that, "Hey, okay, great. I know that you know the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell, but I don't know how to balance a checkbook. I don't know how to file my taxes, and I really don't know how to write a resume." So, to say that we've said this while we were in this position and people in higher positions not take us seriously is there something that you would suggest that they could do to change that
1: i would suggest that um this is one of those instances where the teachers need to advocate for the students even if the parents and the powers that be aren't this is one instance where i would say that parents and their ptos and their ptsas and need to get together with their students and say hey You know, this is what I need to know, and you're not telling me. So this is what I want. You need to put, they need to put pressure on the schools to, even if they don't offer it as a required course, which I think it should be, at least offer it as an elective. Because if you're making students truly college and career ready, maybe you can get away in college without managing to balance a checkbook. But if you're going into a career and a lot of people have direct deposits with their jobs now, so you're writing checks or you're swiping cards, you've got to be able to keep up with how much money you have in the bank so that at payday, you know, you have enough money to pay your bills. And these are basic, basic life skills. I mean, the same way that home economics was a big thing that has faded to the back. um, These are things that are important for, for, for our kids to know. I mean, to maintain themselves. So I think they need to put pressure out there. Make it known. Write editorials. Write to the Board of Education. Write to your senators. Write to the people, the powers that be, and tell them, this is what we need. And I don't mean to go back, but could you explain what a PTO and a PTSA is? Well, PTO, parent-teacher organization, parent-teacher student organization, depending on where you are is what they're called. Uh, And if they're run correctly... There's a lot of power in those because as a teacher, I always tell my parents, um, I can advocate for your child. I can say what I think your child needs. But as a teacher, I'm never going to be listened to as intently or as well as you as a parent will be. Because you are the primary constituent that's being served. You and your child. I say, so you have to speak up. Speak up in support of your child speak up in support of the, the suggestions that you agree with that your child's teacher gives you for them. Um, because I always say, you know, it's the squeaky wheel that gets the oil. So if the parents make noise, then the powers that be have to, they have to listen because it's those parents' voices that controls whether or not they'll still have a job.
0: I definitely say it's on uh, not completely on the parents, of course, because they do send their kids off to school with the idea that they'll come back educated. And in my, in my case, I'd say my mother is proud. I was educated. But at the same time, I would say she's a little disappointed because of how much of a shock college was to me. Now, I can't speak for the group of students that went off into like the workforce straight out of high school or the students that went into the military. But for me, college was a completely different ball game. I went from being in high school with all my extracurriculars and this set schedule all the time to suddenly having all this free time. And now I hear about, like, it's almost as if my, I'd say my class, I was a class of 2017 when I graduated. I would say that my class was like the guinea pig because suddenly everything, all the curriculum started changing after I graduated or not even after I graduated, after I passed the grade, something would change. For instance, when I was in the third grade, we were still learning how to write in cursive. The second I hit fourth grade, suddenly that wasn't important anymore. And now, like as time progresses, I'm in college now, I'm a junior in college. And students aren't even allowed to read books that should be on their grade level because of language or because of the intent of what it may be, however someone perceives it. So I'm just trying to figure out why is it that as we get older, it's almost as if it gets easier for those after
1: us? Um I think that some of that is because because things do change. Um I'm pretty sure that uh the transition you made to college, you know, didn't surprise your mother, didn't didn't make her didn't make her question you because College is a shock to the system. It's a culture shock because you go from living in a family environment in a community, the community that you live in, the community that you go to school in, and then you go to living on a college campus, which is like living in a terrarium or in a microcosm. Because most college campuses, I mean, it's a city within a city. You eat there, you wash your clothes there. You have your recreational activities there. There's going to be some kind of thing there where you can engage in religious activities. You know, if, if you get a cut or, or need a stitch or two, there's some place that you can go. So you're living in a city within a city. And a college that's run well is a very good test pattern a training ground for life. If those students have those skills that we talked about going in, but it's supposed to be a shock to the system. For a lot of college students coming in, um, for a lot of college students coming in, it is their first time being away from home. And they get drunk with the freedom and usually it has some pretty dire consequences. I mean, I a girl that started when I started college had never been away from home. I had the benefit of being very well-traveled by the time I got to college. Um, every opportunity that I had to participate in something, um, whether it was with academics or whether it was with extracurriculars, my parents afforded me the opportunity so I would be experienced. So being away at school and, you know, while I needed to work on my time management skill, that was, that was my Achilles heel. But being away from home and unsupervised wasn't new to me. But a girl that I went to school with it was her first time away from home. It was her first time having to be responsible for herself. And I really, really was saddened at the fact that she left. She didn't even finish her first year. She, she got out there and drunk with freedom. She got pregnant by the end of our first semester. And she had to go home. And, um, and I hate to see that happen. Um, but when you don't prepare your children well... You know, you, you, you expose them to things like that, where a well-prepared child might just be a little sharper on their game. And
0: I like how you spoke of, um, you said she was your roommate or a friend of yours that ended up pregnant. Now, when I was in high school, I didn't take a health class to graduate. I wasn't forced to. It wasn't in my curriculum. And... There hasn't really been a class that I've seen on the schedule that teaches anything like that. The health class that I took online had absolutely nothing to do with sexual education or just regular flu vaccinations. It really didn't teach me anything. And I feel like that's something, that's a problem that's transferred with me from high school to college. Whereas I was in high school learning things that I didn't feel like I was learning and now I'm here. In this, as you said, city within a city. And I still don't have a class that teaches me how to balance a checkbook or how to change a tire.
1: See, the main thing about that is by the time you get to college, they expect you to already know those basics. So that's why I say there's a disconnect between there's there's no way they're not transitioning you all well. They're focusing on academics. They're not focusing on the life skills. So academically, yes, you're set to, trans- to, to transition from high school to college. But because you're lacking in those life skills, you're leaving high school without things you should know, but you're going into college with them being under the assumption that you already know. And because they're under that exu- assumption, they don't take the time to teach you what high school should have taught you. It's the same way
0: I'm going to go into honors college now. I'm an honors college student and even, or let me take that, let me take that back. I am an honors college student, but I've been an honors student since as long as I can remember. And the same aspect with college expecting students to already know things that they should have learned in high school, I see that as something that happens within like my regular classes where I have teachers that don't really expect me to come into class with questions because I'm an honor student, therefore I should just know everything and all they should have to do was assign me things. And that's been a problem I've had since I was in grade school. But now that's again, the there's a disconnect, but the things that do connect aren't the right things. So is there something that you would change within like the grade school situation with honor students and better transitioning them into college as honor students?
1: Um, I think if I had to start with that, I would start in professional development that's given to the teachers and the staff. Because the thing about it is, is there are lots of different learning modalities. You might be an auditory learner, meaning tell me and let me alone, I can do it. You may be visual, you may need to see it. You may, need, you may be kinesthetic, meaning I have to actually do it in order to get it. And when you're young and you're teaching the younger grades, Everybody tells you, oh, teach to the learning style. And they tell you, that they tell the kids it's important to know your learning style. As that child gets older, it's still important to teach to their learning style. But a lot of teachers don't. And unfortunately, they do assume that honors college students or honor students, period, are so much smarter that they don't have to waste their time with detailed, um, uh, descriptions or instructions. They don't feel like they have to, you know, answer a lot of questions. And it's wrong. It's a miscommunication. It's a misnomer. Honors, honors students just mean that you're academically more gifted than some of your peers. It doesn't mean that you're a junior teacher and that shouldn't be the expectation. But unfortunately, it is and it does a disservice. Um, it does a disservice. Uh, I've had some students and at one point, my, my child told me, as far as gifted and talented went, um, Mom, I don't want to go into gifted and talented because it gives me a lot of extra work, but it doesn't give me anything else. And she was absolutely right. And so I did not force her. I knew what she was capable of doing. She knew what she was capable of doing. Um, she never failed to meet my expectations. So why was I going to make things harder for her? to um, put her in a program she didn't want to be in just for the sake of a label. No. It's not necessary. It puts too much on the children. So in a bottom line statement
0: for me, in a bottom line statement, after having this conversation with you, I understand now that those teachers try. Of course, I've known that since day one. Teachers try. All teachers don't. (laughs) But for the most part, I've had a good set of teachers. And you are a good teacher. But I still feel like there is, I guess, a call to action that needs to be made. And I say this for my sister, who's getting ready to go through this same awkward transition that I'm in now. Something in the education system has to change. I don't know if it's maybe a president from a college and a principal from a high school get together and start a band or something. But in order, I feel that in in order for students to prosper in college... They have to understand. Almost as if there was like a a freshman academy for colleges instead of high schools. Because I've seen high schools that have a ninth grade academy that really just singles them out and transitions them into high school. And maybe that's something that needs to be done for colleges. A freshman academy pre-college does not high school.
1: Now, when I first started college, we had a class in... Um... It was called Freshman Orientation. That was the the university's name in the catalog. We called it Crab Lab. And um, the thing about it is, it was it was good for what it was, but it wasn't enough. That was something that you took. It was um, it was one semester. Um, if you had a teacher that really was was meant an end to doing for their students, you got a lot out of it. If you have teachers that were just there to be able to say that they were a college professor, you got near nothing out of it. Um, but the thing of it is that that's the kind of bridge program. If you're going to make it a semester in high school, I mean in college, then it needs to be that that class could very well be that bridge. They could take it the last semester of their senior year, and then they could complete it the first semester of their freshman year in high school that would give the kids more of the support that they need. I think that it would help decrease the number of students that drop out because there are a lot of, I mean, you can have 300 kids that start a freshman year in college and you lose more than 10, 15% of those at the end of that first year, because they're not, they're not prepared for the expectations. They're not prepared for the freedom there's not a lot of people there to give them guidance. I mean, you have counselors, but those counselors have caseloads that are so big. And if you have a student that is very insecure or very nervous, they're going to need a little more attention than that counselor may be allowed to give them with their workload. And I would say with your reference about honors college students, counselors in that department probably have a bigger a bigger. Um, caseload of students because they expect those students to be more self-sufficient so you know lord have mercy for the honors college student that needs a little more explanation and guidance because there's usually not enough manpower to give it to them and the expectation is well they shouldn't need it
0: and that's that's just that on that then Um, I am Danielle Riley and thank you for tuning in to Growing Pains we'll hear you next time
1: Find some peace of mind